Hi, everyone. This is Anthony Diaz with The Pop Health Show. And this show is for anyone that has a strong passion for making people healthy, healthier in this world, making a difference in their life, multiple lives. A lot of people that are on our shows are leading efforts, groups, hospitals, technologies, where they're planted in, it has an opportunity to have like a network effect to affect multiple, multiple people. So super fascinating uh, technology processes, societal shifts that are going on right now. But the, the most important thing is our guest today, which is David Holding. David is with Microsoft and specifically he's the principal healthcare lead at Microsoft. It's a really interesting background. He's touched a lot. He's done a lot. He's doing some really interesting things. I'm not going to steal his thunder. David, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Anthony. Great to be here. Absolutely. Well, well, thanks for making time and thank you for, you know, sharing, you know, what you're passionate about. But I guess take us back and take us, you know, tell us your origin story and tell us what made you who you are. Yeah, I'll give you a, a little snapshot. It's um, I guess I've been in healthcare for just going on 25 years now, um, spending the provider space. So think hospitals, clinics, um, the payer space. You know, the insurance, the the pharmaceuticals, the life sciences, and we have biotech and genomics now. And um, in my current role at Microsoft, I'm 100% focused on healthcare across those segments and worldwide. Um, very much focused on what we call partner enablement. So, you know, partner to us is an organization that provides solutions, uh, services, or both to healthcare organizations worldwide. And, um, you know, we partner to scale them and, and do, do great things in healthcare at scale. So I also have uh, the honor of serving as chair of the HIMSS Blockchain and Healthcare Task Force currently. Mm -hmm. So HIMSS is the Healthcare Information Management System Society, I think. So that huge organization that has the biggest um, conference event of the year for healthcare. I think they just did one in, in Orlando. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, the task force for blockchain is, is about 100 leaders from different healthcare segments working on the application of, of blockchain and healthcare and this super exciting stuff going on there. Mm -hmm. um, I also serve as an advisor to the British Blockchain Association. So as you can tell, I'm, I'm passionate about blockchain and we can chat some more about that if you like. But um, prior to joining Microsoft, because I've only been with Microsoft for just over a year, um, mm -hmm. I served um, for over a decade uh, at Intel as a director of privacy and security for their health and life sciences group. Mm -hmm. I'm very deep in healthcare, cybersecurity, privacy, compliance, and that side of things as well, which is uh, obviously super important for healthcare given the sensitivity of data. Mm -hmm. and so that's a quick snapshot of what I'm doing and where mm -hmm. I've been. Yeah, no, it's super, super exciting. Um, so first of all, I appreciate your background for sure. And super exciting uh, to see the, the scope that you've hit from different angles. So right, so from Intel, HIMSS, you're seeing like, tip of the spear innovations of what's coming through and obviously blockchain, you know, huge. And so that's, that's awesome that you get to see, you know, you know, and shape, you know, a lot of what's going on. And then obviously at Microsoft touching some really cool stuff, AI, ML, you know, privacy, security, cloud, blockchain, but tell us about one topic in health right now that really has your most fascination right now. 
Yeah, so I'm I'm a very applied person, so mm-hmm. uh, a technologist, um, you know, focused on the application of technologies in healthcare. You know, how can we use technology to drive benefit in healthcare and improve healthcare in various ways? And the, the four sort of key ways we're looking to drive improvement in healthcare are reducing the cost of healthcare. Healthcare is super expensive right now, especially in the U.S. Right? It's it's mm-hmm. almost twenty percent of the GDP now, I think. Um, and you know, it's it's a major problem, right? A lot of people don't realistically have access to, to health care. So there's a lot of work to be done there in terms of reducing cost. And, you know, IT is, is a big part of that cost. So to the extent that we can help healthcare partners and, and organizations reduce the cost of IT, we can help them reduce the cost of healthcare as well. Um, but also improving patient outcomes is some phenomenal new opportunities with technologies like AI machine learning which um, can provide you know actionable insights near real time to empower healthcare professionals to uh, make decisions that can improve patient outcomes, uh, but also improving the engagement and experiences of patients. So mm-hmm. the number one person that's responsible for their healthcare is the patient. It's not the doctor, it's the patient. The patient is the one that's deciding what they put in their mouth and what they do in the way of exercise and you know whether they're compliant with the, the medication and treatment plan that is prescribed for them. Um, mm-hmm. So to the extent we can engage patients in their healthcare and improve their experience so their engagement is um, is a valuable and good experience, um, mm-hmm. I think that will really help improve the, the level of health of the population. Yeah. Um, but also the experiences of, of healthcare professionals, I think we really need to pay attention to that too. I think there's a lot of, you know, healthcare professionals out there, clinicians, you know, doctors, nurses that are you know, under huge time and cost pressure and uh, a lot of them, you know, feeling burnout and things are just drowned with data. They're, they're working too much with IT and not enough with patients. So right. a big driver is how can we enable, how can we empower healthcare professionals in a way that enables them to uh, make better decisions to deliver better healthcare and spend more time with patients. Mm-hmm. So, so some of the technologies that you know I'm deep in that you know we're looking to apply to healthcare to help with these um, achieve these benefits um, are obviously cloud is a big one. So um, reducing the cost of of healthcare through cloud technologies. You know, cloud is is not new. It's you know been around five ten years. Um, but it, this the stunning thing is a lot of healthcare organizations probably still single digit percentage of their IT in the cloud. Um, there's a lot of room for use of cloud to move mm-hmm. prem uh, IT server infrastructure to the cloud, reduce the capital expense, reduce the time and, and mm-hmm. resources spent on maintaining that on-prem and IT infrastructure and securing it, move, move it into the cloud to improve uh, the, the financial picture, but also, you know, improve the ability of the healthcare organization to, to you know, be agile and innovate, right? No right. T- past has it been more important for healthcare to to be agile and innovate and i think you know freeing freeing up from that low level infrastructure on prem and being able to focus higher in the stack on the applications and the delivery of healthcare rather than low level infrastructure is is one of the goals of of cloud but um, you know blockchain so you know any opportunity that can be done better as a team of healthcare organizations so think a consortium where you have you know different types of healthcare organizations connected via blockchain and they're tackling issues as, as a team uh, as a consortium versus each organization going it alone that's an opportunity for blockchain and 
Mm-hmm. There's many different use cases there mm-hmm. from supply chains like drug supply chain, medical device supply chain, to health information exchange for clinical trials, to um, provider directory uh, information. You know, mm-hmm. if, if provider directory information, which is today maintained differently or separately rather by, you know, providers, payers, et cetera. And there's not just the redundant effort to maintain it, which, you know, is end times the cost to the healthcare as a whole. Um, but, you know, it's it's the fact that it often isn't maintained well in all the different, you know, silos. And so it becomes inconsistent and you get friction such as claims bouncing and things. So mm-hmm. you know, blockchain has a wonderful opportunity to, to reduce the collective cost of healthcare, reduce the redundant maintenance of information across healthcare organizations and silos and move the common data onto a shared ledger on blockchain where it can be maintained in one place. Mm-hmm. Any updates ripple across the consortium near real time. There's no room for inconsistency and we eliminate all the friction out of the healthcare uh, system and the support calls and the bounced claims and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So amazing opportunities with blockchain, especially in efficiency and cost reduction, but also things like, you know, empowering patients with their healthcare, with their data from a privacy standpoint, mm-hmm. um, some incredible opportunities there. Uh, we talked about AI machine learning a bit, you know, actionable insights near real time. And it's it's all about empowering the healthcare professional, right? Augmenting them, assisting them. And there's so many different use cases from, you know, operational efficiency things like predicting patient length of stays so that the, the hospital can right size their allocation of, you know, staff and resources and rooms to the patients and, and become more efficient and deliver a great experience, but, but at, you know, the most efficient cost, right? Reducing cost. Um, diagnostic imaging, right? So think x-rays, any kind of diagnostic image, you know, um, imagine a bank of AI, artificial intelligence, machine learning models that are run against that, that image, right? To, Mm -hmm. to look for issues and to diagnose. And so, you know, you might go into a doctor and, and, complain of some some issue and the doctor says hey we got to do a, an x-ray of your torso right and right and what they through your communication to the doctor they've come up with a hypothesis this this patient may have this condition we need to do this x-ray to, to check and verify this hypothesis mm-hmm. and so that that's sort of a primary diagnosis but there's there's uh, secondary issues that can lurk and sometimes their initial hypothesis about what the issue is is not correct so mm-hmm. imagine you know the doctor gets orders the x-ray the x-ray gets done it gets run against an ai that looks for the issue that the doctor thought was was happening and it comes mm-hmm. out negative this is not the issue um imagine if you could uh, run a thousand ai models against that image overnight maybe in the cloud and the next morning the doctor sees oh, this, this patient may have this very rare condition that was detected by one of the thousand AIs that specializes in that condition. It happens in one in a million people, such that a GP may never see it in their career. Mm-hmm. You know, AIs are really good at detecting that kind of thing, right? Those secondary issues, they could give it to the doctor and say, hey, check the patient for this thing. This could be happening. It wasn't your original sort of hypothesis, but this really needs to be looked into. The other thing that can help with is triage, right? So let's say, uh, you know, in a very busy clinic, you might have like a thousand x-rays in one day. You know, those those x-rays could all be uploaded to the cloud and the AIs could be run on them. And then they're they're serving to triage those. So, okay, of the, the next morning, the, the, the staff comes in and they see, you know, of those thousand that happened yesterday, these 10 are 
super urgent these patients to look into because they have an imminent episode that's, you know, could happen, whether it's a heart attack or stroke or, you know, those episodes are very bad, uh, both for patient health, because they often, you know, after they happen, they have long-term ramifications on the quality of healthcare of the patient. But they also drive a lot of cost, right? So if you can use AI to detect secondary issues or to triage and uh, use those to to uh, intervene, intercept these imminent episodes and and take corrective action to avoid the episodes, that will be a huge improvement in in patient care and outcomes, and a huge improvement in the result, uh, reducing the cost of care. Mm. And then, you know, closely related to, to AI machine learning, I think is is Internet of Things or Internet of Medical Things, as we say in healthcare. And that is, um, you know, think devices in patients. We've got, mm-hmm. you know, pacemakers, infusion pumps, all that stuff and amazing innovation in that area. Um, you know, devices on patients like wearables. Now we have all these different wearables we can we can get that are detecting things like atrial fibrillation and, you know, all different kinds of things you can buy. And some of them are built into the smart watches. Some of them integrate with the smartphones, but lots of different wearables that can track your, your healthcare, um, you know, various vitals, you know, pretty much 24 seven, 365. And that's incredible, right? Because today, you know, you go in, even if we just look at something like blood pressure, right? If you go into the doctor for a wellness check once a year, you get one blood pressure measurement and it's it's under questionable circumstances because you, you get this thing called white coat syndrome, right? Where you go into the doctor, you know, they're going to do a blood test. You know, it's important or a, a blood pressure test. You know, it's important and your stress level goes up and they get a poor reading, right? Um, mm-hmm. Versus if you do that many times, maybe once a day, at home with a blood pressure cuff that integrates with you know your smartphone and that data is available to the doctor you know all of a sudden they've got a much much better picture of your blood pressure over time maybe even multiple different you know time of day Mm -hmm. but there's the wearables and you know now you can get all kinds of things that that connect i've got personally a glucose monitor you know Mm. uh, ekg that connects the smartphone uh and uh blood pressure cuff and all these things and and you know i i measure just not just myself but my family Mm -hmm. what you can do as as a patient as a consumer to um monitor your health more closely and uh, let it inform your um your your questions to your doctor right when you visit your mm-hmm. doctor, i've i've been taking these measurements i've detected this thing i think this is what it could be you know and and the doctor can help you you know evaluate that and maybe dig deeper with some lab tests if needed so mm. Mm. It's also devices around patients. So hospital and clinic, of course, we've got Internet of Things, everything up to the MRI machines. Um, But, you know, we've got remote patient monitoring at home, especially for high risk patients. You know, if they if they've had an episode like a heart attack, um, providing them with a remote patient monitoring solution at their home where they can take regular measurements on a daily basis and, you know, give input, do video conferencing with a, a clinician, et cetera, um, can really improve uh, healthcare, you know, again, by continuous monitoring detection of, you know, vitals that are trending outside of safe bounds and, and interception intervention, right, before they have another episode and that's also can can be used to prevent readmission to the hospital because if they go they have to go back to the hospital because they've had a relapse of something mm-hmm. that's a very inconvenient and expensive thing for the patients so uh, this telehealth telemedicine amazing opportunities there with rendering care and i think it could really democratize healthcare as well make it more accessible 
it's not just a cost thing, but it's an also a geographical location thing for those people that live in rural areas or remote areas. Um, you know, they don't have a world-class, you know, healthcare facility right at their doorstep. And so them being able to tap into telehealth, telemedicine can be a, a godsend, right? Mm-hmm. But, but all this data, think of all this data coming from these different internet of medical thing devices, right? And it's streaming real time. And it, it, I think of it as really the eyes and ears, the sensors of AI machine learning, right? Because on the back yeah. end, of that, you've got to have the automated real-time or near real-time analysis of that data. Again, detection of, you know, actionable insights. Um, because doctors and, and nurses, they just don't have the bandwidth to digest all of this raw information near real-time. They'll get drowned in it, right? And they're already suffering from burnout, from a lack of, you know, from from time time and cost pressure, not sufficient time with patients, etc. With this data and generation of the data, which is amazing, we need to make sure that what the what the healthcare professionals are seeing are interesting things that are uh, enable them with actionable insights and empower them with being able to make better decisions for the patient. So um, that's just kind of a high level snapshot of, of the kinds of technologies I'm working with on a, on a daily basis. And, you know, again, on the application of these to healthcare to drive healthcare benefits. I love it. I love it, David. Yeah. You guys are hitting, you're hitting so many different interesting um not topics, but, you know, the culmination of them, right, is setting ourselves up to support the societal shift, right? Value base is moving in and ushering uh, leaner, cleaner um, processes, mechanisms that could that can support these areas. So, you know, artificial intelligence, AI, machine learning, IoT, uh, blockchain, most of those are just, you know, nice, great algor- uh, acronyms. But, <laughs> but no, but they're really important, you know, shaping up the future. I guess along those lines, David, I guess, tell me a little bit about um, something you believe in healthcare that you know will come to fruition. So I think a lot of things you're mentioning, right? We're in, we're almost like living in the future. These, you see these things coming together, more personalized, democratized healthcare. We're carrying around our health records, you know, uh, all our devices and things that we're talking about, you know, are talking to each other because of the IoT. It's smart. We can predict. Um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, if any of this doesn't, you know, fit in your kind of like more immediate like version of the future, but, you know, blockchain can enable us then to kind of, you know, make sure our stuff's not scattered and all over the place, but has one first, but, you know, multiple different, um, you know, copies of it everywhere. You know, the way I look at blockchain, it's kind of like, you know, multiple versions of a spreadsheet like everywhere, but they're kind of all in sync and, you know, most importantly, keep things with, with high integrity, right. Uh, from a variety of different dimensions. But David, tell me about something you believe that other people think is crazy uh in health or said another way you know something you believe in healthcare um that uh that will happen in the future it hasn't been proven yet but you know in your heart and your soul that it will come to fruition yeah it's a really interesting and provocative question i think (laughs) and i kind of hinted at some of this earlier but you know i think you know the number one person responsible for their healthcare is the patient right right it's always been the patient there in the past we've a lot of patients have kind of uh, you know relaxed into the stance that my health care is my doctor's problem if i have an mm-hmm. issue i go there i get a pill and i continue doing whatever i want eating whatever i want not getting exercise not getting enough sleep you know etc 
-hmm. I think that needs that needs to change and it will change, right? Patients are going to increasingly be empowered with new ways of taking taking ownership of their healthcare with with great outcomes, right? The healthiest mm -hmm. patients will be the ones that are engaged. So I think that trend is already happening. And you know, they're they're going to be empowered with new devices. A lot of these will be smartphone connected, you know, various wearables like smartwatches, etc., or things you can pick up or clip on like a blood pressure cuff. Um, and, and those will be back-ended by these, these AI machine learning models, which will give actionable insights near real term, near mm -hmm. real time rather, like, um, hey, uh, uh, smartwatch may detect, you know, your heart sort of EKG is detecting, you know, atrial fibrillation. So you're imminent risk of a heart attack, right? Go see a doctor, go to a clinic, go to a hospital, emergency room, et cetera. Um, that's phenomenally valuable information, right? Um, and, and that's empowering the patient and the doctor, you know, because if that information is made available to the doctor, it gives them information they didn't have before to properly and accurately diagnose and efficiently diagnose and render care. Um, you know, I think one of the, the things is the reduced cost of data acquisition. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's the availability of the, these devices at a consumer level. Like now you can get the smartwatch at a few hundred dollars that, you know, can detect atrial fibrillation. That wasn't possible before to buy an EKG machine would be incredibly expensive, right? Right. Usable. So lowering cost of data acquisition. And there's also a lot of services out there. Like, you know, think of going and getting your genomic information, right? Genomic sequencing. I mean, we have the the 23andMe's, the Ancestry.com, which are kind of just recreational at the moment. But the, the full genomic sequencing is is coming, right? It's it's available today. And it's around $1,000, I think, in the U.S. to get a full right. sequence. Yeah. You know every link in your helix, right? Uh, DNA helix. Um, but it, you know, in China, I believe it's you know a few hundred dollars. It's three hundred dollars or, or or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, so it's definitely coming down, and that's going to make it feasible for all of us to get our full genome sequenced, and, and that will inform you know new precision personalized healthcare for us that won't be a just sort of one size fits all. You know, hope this mm -hmm. works okay for you but rather, you know, what's right for Anthony, right? This right. is a custom treatment plan. This is a custom medication. This is, um, you know, these are the foods you should eat and these are the foods you shouldn't eat, right? Um, I think that is actually going to be one of the provocative things I'll share here to your question is, I think diet has a much bigger impact on healthcare than most people realize. Not all foods are good for all people. So we think of the food pyramid. A lot of us are taught, you know, eat everything in the food pyramid, right? It's okay for you. And, you know, we already know that's not true, right? In extreme cases, we we have people with allergies and intolerances, and it's obvious they can't eat certain foods like nuts, right? Mm -hmm. But I think there's a lot of gray area where a food may not cause an allergic reaction for you, right. but it's not good for you, right? It, it stresses your body and it, you don't digest it well, and it causes all kinds of problems downstream, right? So I think over time, we're going to discover that that the food you eat and the types of food you eat, which varies by person, is incredibly important. If you want to achieve optimal health, you can't just eat whatever you want or whatever tastes good or whatever is the cheapest, right? Right. You've got to pay attention to what you're eating, pick high quality food, etc. And, you know, part of this is your microbiome, right? We, we pay a lot of attention to our DNA and genomic sequencing and some of us have done the recreational genomic sequencing, which is a start, but, you know, full sequencing is coming. But, you know, that doesn't look at your microbiome all the thousands of, of different varieties of um, you know uh, microbiome um, entities that are digesting the food you eat in a way 
you know, they're the ones that are eating the food you put in your mouth and what your body's absorbing is the byproduct of that. So if you have a, um, a bad microbiome, you know, that's going to affect your, your, uh, right. your health. And um, similarly, if, if you have a microbiome and you give it the wrong food, that's going to affect your health, right? So, yeah. So there's there's actually services available now. I've done done one of them the the day two, which you know I know there's others out there, but you can get your microbiome sequence and they'll tell you what kind of foods are optimal for you. I think that'll get better over time, and we'll learn to appreciate that our health is not just our own DNA, but it's the health of our microbiome. And optimizing the foods we eat for our health and the health of our microbiome, I think, is is going to be something incredibly I love it. forward. David, I love it. I love it. No, this is great, David. Well, first of all, thank you so much for the body and knowledge. I think you've, 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 uh, you've given us some really rich points and technology pieces here, but at, at the end of the day, like, you know, just circling back to what you're mentioning before, it's all about the experience centered around the patient, yep. people flowing through, right. And how, how these technologies when integrated appropriately can unlock elements of joy, right. Like in that experience and yep. ultimately focus on making that patient healthier you know, Absolutely. present and future based. Uh, David, for our listeners out there, if they'd like to engage with you, what would be a good way to do so? Yeah, um, LinkedIn is a great way. I do a lot of work on LinkedIn, um, Twitter as well. Um, and, you know, if, if you want to reach out to me via email, I don't know if we can post that in the when the podcast goes. Uh, yeah. Provide a link. And then, you know, if, if you are, you know, your organization provides solutions or services to healthcare and you'd like to explore partnership with, uh, with Microsoft to drive scale, reach out to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll do. We'll link to that in the show notes. And I think most importantly, David, thank you for your time. And uh, this was great. Thank you. Thanks David. very much, Anthony. Great session. Much appreciated.